All right, every hand ought to be up or you're a liar on top of it, right? Okay, so we've all struggled with that, and, and there's times when we go through those difficulties of life, and I want you to see that that's exactly where the disciples are, that they're at a place of difficulty and struggle. Chapter 13 through 17 is the last day of Jesus' life and the last moments that he has with the, with the disciples. And during this time, this last evening together in the upper room before his arrest and his soon crucifixion, he begins by first washing their feet, as we saw a few weeks ago. He showed them the heart of a servant as he washed their feet. But then he delivered to them some words that were pretty discouraging. He told them first that there was one among them, this, among us twelve, that was going to betray him, was going to basically sell him out for the price of a slave, was going to turn his back on him. He said of the person, it would be better for him if he'd never been born in another text. But we see, he says, one of you is going to be, betray me. And they all begin to look at each other because nobody knows who it is. Then after that, he says, not only is one of you going to betray me, but I'm going to leave you. And where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. Now, here they are. They've been walking with the Lord for three years. He says, one of you is going to betray me. And then I'm going away and you cannot follow me where I'm going. Then he says, hey, Peter. Peter says, Lord, I'll go with you anywhere. I'm willing to die for you. And the Lord looks at Peter. Peter, the, the, the leader, in a sense, of the apostles, the boldest of the twelve, the one, Mr. Ready, Fire, Aim, Mr. You know, chopping off ears with swords, Mr. You know, telling, God how to, telling Jesus how to be God sometimes, right? And he tells Peter, no, Peter, you're not ready to die for me. And not only that, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tomorrow morning. So they've been told that, one of you is going to betray me. I'm going away, and you cannot follow me. And Pete, the leader, you're going to deny me three times. And it's with that that we get to chapter 14. And look what it says there. I wanted you to see this before I look at the breakdown of the chapter in just a moment. But I want to see the first words of chapter 14. And we kind of looked at this a little bit last week. And Jesus says to them, let not your heart be troubled. Now, why would he say, let not your heart be troubled? Because their hearts were troubled. Amen? Here they were. They've been following the Lord. They left all to follow Him. Lord, we, you know, I used to be a tax collector. I'm not doing that. I, I dropped my nets, Lord, to follow You. And now You're telling me You're going to go away and where You're going I cannot follow. You're telling me that one of us is a betrayer. And now You're saying that Peter's going to deny You. What does this mean? And so they're at a point of, of, how can this be? You know, I thought you were the conquering Messiah. You are going to overthrow Rome. That was their, their misconception. You know, Lord, was it worth it to follow you? You're going to leave us now? What does this mean to us? What are we going to do when you're gone? And you know what? It's only going to get worse as we continue through John because they're soon going to see his arrest. They're going to see his trial. He'll be mocked and scourged and beaten. They'll, they'll, they'll hear word of his crucifixion, though John will be there. He'll be buried in a borrowed tomb. And so they're troubled and their, their faithless hearts are starting to, to come out. And the Lord looks at them and says, let not your heart be troubled. Now what's amazing to me is, who is it that's about to be crucified? It's Jesus. And he's the one that's about to have the heaviest moment in the history of the universe placed upon him when the sin of all mankind is being placed upon him. Instead of the disciples holding up his hands as he's about to go to the cross and encouraging and strengthening our Savior, instead he's the one ministering to them. You want to talk about a servant. He's on his way to the cross. He's going to be separated from the Father. He's going to take the sin of all mankind and his whole concern is ministering to these faithless guys who are, who are anxious and worried and doubting. Now, how is he going to do that? 
Over the, next, over the rest of this chapter, we're going to see him basically tell him, I'm going to give you a couple paraphrases, but first thing he's going to say to him is, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So I titled the message today, Encouraging Words from the Savior to Comfort a Troubled Heart. He's basically saying, don't worry, I'm in control. There's no fear for those in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that fear, anxiety, worry, and doubt are all the opposite of faith? When I'm afraid, I'm saying God's not in control, right? When I'm worried, I'm saying God's not going to take care of me. When I'm anxious, I'm saying God doesn't know what he's doing. He needs to hurry up, right? And the reality is that those are all the opposite of faith. That we need to learn to trust God. And so here they are. The Lord's going to go away, and he's going to leave them with a message. That the cross is before him, and instead he's, he's comforting them. It says in John 16, he says, Because I have said to you these things, you're... Sorrow has filled your heart. You know, he says there, believe also in me. Trust me even when you don't understand. You know, the word faith means faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not seeing and then believing, it's believing and then seeing. He says, guys, yes, I'm going away. Yes, one of you is going to betray me. Yes, you're going to deny me. Guess what? It's going to get worse. I'm going to the cross. But he's going to, throughout chapter 14, as we're going to see this week and next week, he's going to give them seven promises that they can lay hold of during times of doubt, during times of worry, during times of anxiety. And guess what? They're the same seven promises that you and I can hold on to. We're going to look at three of them this morning. And then we'll look at the rest of them next week. So we're going to look at the first of those promises, these seven promises, that that no matter how difficult your circumstances may be, when you're in the midst of confusion and anxiety and worry and even doubt like the apostles, these are things that you and I can trust in and can believe in and know are true. If God promises you something, can you take it to the bank? Amen? It's not like some of your friends may promise you and go back on it. Our God is a God of His Word. Amen? And so we're going to see these seven promises, and I want to encourage you that that they should bless you. So it says in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He's telling them, guys, I'm going away, but I'm still God, and I'm still in control. And now he's going to give his first promise. And those of you who take notes, here's the first promise, verses 2 and 3. The first promise is that you are going to heaven. Isn't that a great promise? Amen? There should be no greater promise in the world. You're going to heaven. As DC Talk would say, you're heaven bound. Amen? And, we're, and, so, and you know what? You can handle the difficulties on the road if you know where the path leads. Amen? If you know that the, at the end of the difficulty that the path is leading you home. And that's where our home is. There was a missionary many years ago that had been on the mission field for years and he was coming home on a train and when he got into to the station, he thought there would be people there to greet him. And when he got there, there was a huge band playing and all these people were there. And he thought, wow, you know, after all these years of ministry, look what they're doing for me. Unbeknownst to him, the president of the United States was on the train with him. And there, were, there was nobody there to greet him. And he got off and everybody was greeting the president and singing praises to his name. I think it was FDR. And they're singing praises to the president. And he comes walking off the train and not even his wife was there. There had been a mix-up on the time, and he was kind of brokenhearted. Lord, I've served you for 40 years, and I show up, and there's nobody here to greet me. And what the Lord put on his heart at that very moment was, you're not home yet. The greeting is going to come when we get home, guys. Amen? And guess where our home is? It's in heaven. Amen? 
And when you know where your home is and you know where your focus ought to be, the difficulties and the anxieties of life fade away. Look at verse 2. He says, in my father's house. He uses the word father 53 times in verses 13 through 17. And my father's house, again, according to the Son of God, is home for all of God's children. It's interesting that it's Mother's Day today, and that's awesome. Praise God for the moms. What a blessing. But let me encourage you with something. Aren't you glad that we have a heavenly Father who is faithful and loves us? Aren't you glad that He's adopted you into His family, that you're one of His kids? And you know what it says in late, we're going to see next, in two weeks, that no one can ever take you away from Him. You're His kids. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. What an awesome thing. And He says, in my Father's house, He's told them I'm going away, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. The word there, mansion, means rooms or abodes. And so Jesus says, yes, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving for good. And I'm going away that I may prepare a place for you. I'm preparing. So what is the Lord doing right now? He's interceding on our behalf, and he's preparing a place for us. Now, I think it's a little fouled in the way people have said it, but they said, man, if earth was perfect in six days of creation, what in the world is heaven going to be like when the Lord's been up there preparing for us for thousands of years? Amen? And heaven's going to be perfect, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be incredible. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. I, you know what I wrote in there? If you, if you write in your Bible, whenever I see stuff like that, I, it says, he goes to prepare a place for you, I wrote, for me, Dave Johnston, right in my Bible. He's going to prepare a place for Dave. Man, that's awesome to me. That's the God that I serve. When I'm going through anxiety and worry and difficult and struggle in my life, the realization that I'm ha-ha heaven bound and that I'm going to spend eternity with Almighty God and that's where my home really is, it doesn't matter where I live here and now. It doesn't matter about the difficulties that I go through in this life. It doesn't matter if they come and tell me tomorrow I've got cancer and I've got three days to live because I know where my home is. And it's just drawing me back into his presence. And here the, the apostles are going through difficulty. Lord, you're leaving. But he says, yes, I'm leaving. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm, in my father's house are many mansions. Man, heaven's going to truly be an awesome place. You know what? Jesus went away and he died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. And we're going to talk about that more in a moment. Now, when Jesus was on earth, what was his, what was his day-to-day job? What did he do? Well, what, what did he do? He was a carpenter. And isn't it interesting that he's gone away to prepare a place for you in heaven and that he's building the church here on earth at the same time? I like that. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. Amen? That's who I truly serve. That's who I work for. And that's the God that we serve. And you know what? He's building a place for us in heaven. But here's the best part of this, these two verses. Look at verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Man, I like that. You know what? He's saying first, I will come again. A clear promise that Jesus is coming back for his people. Some will go to heaven walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and others when Jesus returns for his church and he raptures us away and we'll be spend eternity with him. You know, I've said it many times, we're going to be dead a lot longer than we're alive when it comes to this physical body. Amen? And where we spend our physical time here and now is so insignificant to where and how we spend eternity. Amen? But I also want to say this. Let me encourage you with something. Being a Christian is not the black robe with a wheelbarrow full of rules with heaven at the end. 
Amen? Oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven, though. You know, and walking around and smacking yourself with a board every three feet. or You know, I mean, some of these religious things that people do is I've got to suffer so that God will love me. No, he suffered because he loves you. Amen? And he desires that we have that intimate relationship with him. And so instead of having anxiety and worry and doubt and struggling and him going away, understand that he went away to prepare a place for you. And that he has given you, and we're going to see this next week, he's given you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you so you can have joy now and heaven to come. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. Does the world need to hear that message? Amen? They're walking around looking for the answers. If I just made a little more money, if I had a little more stuff, if I could just find the right girl, the right guy, if we could have a few more children, if, if I get that promotion at work, and we think those are the things that are going to bring us peace. But God created you to have a relationship with him. And if you don't, you're going to be empty. There's that God-shaped vacuum. And so we have the promise of heaven, and he's coming again. And those who are alive when he returns will see him. Then he says that where I am, there you may be also. His departure, as difficult as it, as it was, would be to their advantage. Because he was going away to prepare a place for them, and there he, that there, where he is, there he may be also. Have you ever thought about heaven? How many ever thought about heaven? First of all, we can't even begin to explain heaven. There's no way. No way. As awesome as you might think it'll be, it'll be way more awesome than that. I remember being at Yosemite with Pastor Dom when I was one of the assistant pastors in San Jose, and he had us all there, and we're looking out at Yosemite. Yosemite's pretty beautiful. And we're looking out at Half Dome, and it's just, we're looking at this beautiful, and, and Pastor Don, man, very poignant, looked at us and said, you know, compared to heaven, this is a dung heap. I mean, we're in, oh, whoa, this is beautiful. Compared to heaven, this is a pile of dung. Oh, that's true, man. Heaven's going to be awesome, amen? And we know the Bible tells us that in heaven, there will be streets of gold, that it'll be, the, the crystal sea will be there. It'll be beautiful beyond description. There'll be no death, no pain, no sorrow, no night, no tears. We'll be reunited with the believers who have gone before us. How many of you have somebody in heaven waiting for you? Raise your hand. Parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, in some cases children. Here's the good news. We're going to see them again. Amen? And we don't grieve as those without hope because we know where our family members are that know Jesus Christ. Amen? They're in heaven. They're in the most awesome place. You know what? People say, people come and say, oh, I'm sorry you lost your, your father, your grandfather. They're not lost. We know exactly where they are. Amen? People on earth are lost. People wandering around trying to figure out, they're not lost. They're home. They went home. They moved to a much better place. Amen? And what a blessing to know that. You know, Lynette and I lost our first child very early in pregnancy, and I can't wait to get to heaven to meet my son or daughter. They're there, waiting for me. And they're not lost. They're in the place that God has them. What an awesome place. I'm envious. They're in a much better place than I am. They don't live in the trailer park in Scotts Valley, <laughs> right, where I live. You know, they're living in heaven. It doesn't get any better than that. But as awesome as it is to know that we're going to see our parents and our grandparents and our friends and family that have gone before us and you know we're going to see people like Abraham and Daniel and David and you know some of these guys I really like in the Bible John I want to just hang out with John the Baptist for a while I like that guy I like people like Daniel who you know just everybody else is bound I ain't bound I like dude I like this guy I want to hang out with this guy right but you know what as awesome as it is about seeing the family and seeing those people what's more awesome than it all is that we're going to see Jesus amen 
There's a song by FFH called One of These Days, and I'm just going to read you just one short part of it. It says, one of these days, I'm going to see the hands that took for n- the nails for me. One of these days, going to hold the key to the mansion built for me. One of these days, going to walk the streets of gold that were paved for me. And one of these days, I'm going to see my Savior face to face. You know what? I'm excited about seeing my grandparents, and I'm, I'm excited about seeing that son or daughter that we lost. But I'll tell you what I'm most excited about, is I'm going to get to see my Savior. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? He loves you. He died for you. When you're anxious, you're worried, you're depressed. When you're, when you're bummed out because, you know, you've you got to cut the cable off because you can't pay the bill or you lost a job at work or someone's bickering with you or whatever it might be, just remember where you're headed. Amen? He's encouraging these guys. Yes, I'm going away, but I'm going away to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. You know, when Stephen was stoned to death, where is Jesus right now? The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And when Stephen was being stoned, it says he looked up into heaven and he saw the Lord standing at the right hand of the Father. The Lord stood up to receive Stephen into his presence. And you know what? We're going to come before him one day and he's going to say, enter in my good and faithful servant. Man, what an awesome thing to know. Amen? Is there a greater promise in the world than that? So no matter what you're going through, just like these apostles going through difficulties and struggles, they have the hope and the knowledge and the promise that they're going to heaven and that the Lord will be there waiting for them. I can't wait to get and sit up in my Lord's lap and give Him a hug. 1 Thessalonians says, But we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve like other people who have no hope. Heaven is our home. May our hearts, our passions, and our focuses be set on going home. Amen? People say, again say, people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. My, I, I say it's the opposite. We're, no, we're so earthly minded, we're no heavenly good. You know, we don't have time to open up our Bible because we've got to go make another dollar so we can have a little bit nicer something. Man, it's wood, hay, and stubble. It's a deck chair in the Titanic. It's all passing away. And we need to have a focus on that which is eternal. What about the people at work that don't know Jesus? Shouldn't that be our burden and our passion? Shouldn't our burden and our passion be for the things that the Lord was passionate about? Was Jesus trying to see how big his house could be on earth? Do you see the Lord struggling with his car payments? Right? The Bible said he had no place to lay his head. His focus was reaching a world that was hurting and was lost and was without him. So promise number one, encouraging words that comfort a troubled heart, you're going to heaven. Now let me just say this, that promise is for those who've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We'll talk about that more as we move on. Now promise number two, in verses four through six, Jesus is all you will ever need. You're going to heaven, and Jesus is all you will ever need. These are the promises that he's giving to the the disciples as he's getting ready to go to the cross. And this is the promise that he gives you and I this morning. Look at verse 4. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Jesus had shared with his disciples over and over and over again that he was going to the Father. He said, I come forth from the Father. I have come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. And he had also told them what they must do to follow him. John 3.16, probably everybody in here knows that verse by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, look, I've told you guys over and over I'm going back to my father. And you know how to follow me. It's believing in me as your Lord and your Savior. It's having a relationship with me. 
And he's going to clarify that more when we get to verse 6. In, verse, in chapter 3, verse 36, he says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Everybody's got to deal with Jesus, you guys. Either he's your Lord, your Savior, and King, or you will be judged by him because you've rejected him. Is he your Lord and your Savior and your King? Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Do you know him in an intimate and a personal way? Or is he just a religious figure that you know a little bit about? You've got to know him, have that personal, intimate relationship with him. Verse 5. Philip said, Lord, show us the thought. Oh, excuse me, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Now, Thomas's question shows that he has a desire to know. What do I have to do to be with you, Lord? But sadly, at the same time, it points to his misunderstanding to think that the Lord was going somewhere on earth. You know, he just told him, I'm going to my father's house. you think that would be a clue. I'm the son of God. He's told him repeatedly. My father's house is probably not on the other side of Galilee, right? I mean, I'm going to the house of God the Father. And Thomas is still saying, but Lord, where is this? I don't quite understand. You know, can you show us the way? Can you tell us how to get there? Can you leave us behind a map? And you know what he's going to do? He's going to give him a map, and the map is verse 6. And this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. If it's not underlined in your Bible, get your pen out and underline this verse. Put a square around it. I mean, this is a great, great verse. And here's how Jesus responds when he says, show us the way. Verse 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Is that pretty clear? I think that's pretty clear. Jesus never claimed to be the only way. Well, duh. What does this say? And it's all over the Bible. He, re, he says it over and over and over again. This is the sixth of his I am statements. So he first says, I am. Ego a me. The same words he used at the burning bush when Moses said, when I go back to free the people out of bondage, how, what am I going to tell them your name is? And he said, God said from the bush, I am. And here Jesus uses the same words and says, I am. Earlier in the chapter, he said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And now he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now I want to talk about each of these just for a moment. Heaven's our destination. And Jesus doesn't just simply tell us the way to get there. He doesn't say, well, here's what you need to do. He doesn't say, this is the way. He says, I am the way. How do you get to heaven? One way God said to get to heaven, and Jesus is the only way. Song I sang in, in preschool at church on Sunday, when I was three years old. One way God said to get to heaven, and Jesus is the only way. Does the world believe that today? Do they believe Jesus is the only way? They want to believe everything but that. People say, Christians, you know, you know what I hate about Christians? You're so narrow. You know, you... Fine, if that works for you, fine, but don't be telling me it's the only way. I don't want to hear that. You know, I got my path, you take your path. You know, and all paths do lead to God. That's true. But only one leads to eternal life and peace in heaven with Almighty God forever. And the rest of them lead to separation and torment and weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. Oh, pastor, that's heavy. You got you know, to be so direct with it. Yeah. And here's the reality, guys. This is eternity we're talking about. It's heaven and hell. It's whether or not we're spent eternity with Almighty God or separated from Him for all eternity. 
He said, I am the way. And people today say, I, I don't like that. You know what? You know who said that the way was narrow? Jesus did. In, John, in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. I find it interesting that the main street going through mo- a lot of cities in America is called Broadway. You ever notice that? Neon lights are bright on the Broadway. And there's something t- true about that, right? It's all lit up. It's the Broadway, and it's leading to destruction. Amen? Jesus said, narrows the way, and there are few that will find it. Because most people are too into the lights on Broadway. They're too busy chasing after the world and the things of the world and feeding their flesh and not wanting to, to confess that they're sinners in desperate need of a Savior. I am the way. In Acts 4.12 it says, There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. So how many names under heaven are there through which we can be saved? There be one, and the name is what? Jesus. So guess what? There's no other way. Now we live in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz is not going for that program. If you haven't figured that out yet. Now, but that's why we're here, amen? God's called us to be salt and light to this place. And you know what? The best place to take a light is the darkest place you can find, man. Turn on the light, boom, everybody sees it. And so there's this belief going, you know, it's, it permeates the world, but it's pretty heavy in Santa Cruz, though. You know, oh, there's many paths, you know, oh, Zen, Chi, you know. If you're a ranger, if you're a ranger you know, you're, t- you're oh, man, it's noise, man. Feng Shui, you know. My, the reason I don't have peace is my bed's pointing in the wrong direction. <laughs> People believe in that noise. No, Jesus is the way, not turning your bed around. What's that all about? And the world that we live in today wants to find another way. You know what? I believe it's the greatest act of love in the world that Jesus gave us one way to heaven. Not 50 ways. Can you imagine if there were 50 ways to heaven? People are confused when there's one way. If there was 50, there'd be like some new guy. There's a new guy down in the mall saying he's God. Well, we better go check it out. Maybe he's number 47, right? I mean, how would you know if there was all these different ways? But it's a God of love and grace and mercy and says, there's one way, here it is. And it's very simple. It's not 27 steps to salvation. It's not a 12-step program. It's a one-step program. Amen? Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead. The early church in the book of Acts was called the way. Why? Because Jesus is the way. Praise God for that. So Jesus is the way. And now he says, I am the way. And then he says, I am the truth. Now Jesus didn't teach the, just, just teach the truth. He is the truth. How many truths can there be? One. One way, one truth. Okay? Well, uh, I had a guy I went to visit in Southern California back when I was still working full time. And I, I used to train salespeople, and he invited me over to his house one night. He knew I was a Christian. I was a youth pastor at the time. And he said, well, I've got a bone to pick with you Christians. I'm going to talk to you. I said, okay. So we ate dinner, and then he went out, and he put all these books out on this table. Now, these people right here, they're in India, and this is what they believe, and then these people believe this. And, he, and what you're telling me is they're all wrong, and only the Bible's right. Said, that, that's right. Oh, man, I can't believe. So you're telling me these people are all going to hell. Uh, yeah, that's right. But they, I go, bro, let's stop and think about this for a second. These people all over here teach in reincarnation. You, you, you're going to be a grasshopper, then you're going to be a frog, then you're going to be a cow, and then you're going to be a person. If you're good, you might be another person. If you're bad, you might be a frog again. 
That's why we're not eating any cows or swatting any flies in our country because we might be killing grandma. That's true, okay? And so they believe in reincarnation and many gods and everybody's a god and god's in everything in the trees and in the frogs and the flies and the flowers and that's what they believe and then these people over here believe that there are many many gods all kinds of different gods right and then the bible says there's only one god and it's point for man once to live and then to die and then the judgment does that sound like those things could all be true at the same time to you can there be five thousand paths and one path can there be living five thousand different times trying to reach nirvana and having once to live and then to die and then the judgment? Can those both be true at the same time? No. It's not narrow, it's the truth. If you step off the top of a, of a building and you've got 50 people all lined up and one of them believes in gravity and the other 49 believe, oh, I think I'll fly, I think I'll bounce, I think I'll do this. If you all step off, there's only one truth, you're all hitting the sidewalk. <laughs> right? Because the truth is the truth whether you believe it or not. And it's not your belief, well, my belief system, I have the, you know, and they all have this belief system with no authority. Okay, what do you base your belief on? Well, I just have this feeling. Well, that's great. How's that working out for you? Well, I'm a Hindu. Well, how's that working out for India? That seems to be working out pretty well for them, right? They're all starving to death. It's a total disaster. I mean, they don't take it out to the logical consequence. There's one way, there's one truth, and it's Jesus Christ. Again, the religious section I saw years ago. I hate how Christians just dismiss Buddhism and Islam without really studying what they believe. Let me get, I'm not going to take a lot of time on this. I'm going to take a couple minutes. I want to explain to you just a couple belief systems. Buddhism. Buddhism teaches, you know, Gautama Buddha. He was disgruntled with his, with his life, so he left his wife and his son to go wandering around in the wilderness and meditate. And after seven years, he found the true path to great enlightenment under the Boo tree. This is a fact. The boo, he's sitting under the boo tree. I found the path. And what is it? What is it, Buddha? Tell me the path. Well, you attain nirvana by suffering and depriving yourself. And once you've deprived yourself and suffered enough, then you'll have peace in nirvana. And then maybe next time you'll come back and you can have that peace and that enlightenment again. And people are following this noise of some guy who left his wife and son. Guy bailed on his family to go find nirvana. Went wandering around and said it's from self. And it's noise. It's total noise. Do I need to know any more about what they teach after I've heard that? How much do I need to know? That's enough for me. They deny Jesus Christ. What about, so Buddhism is a lie. It's works-based and it believes in reincarnation. Does that line up with the Bible? That'd be no. So I don't need to study anymore, although I have. Islam. Allah, the one and only true God of Muhammad, is his prophet. They believe in portions of the Bible, the Law of Moses, the Psalms, but they believe their scriptures, the scriptures of the Word of God, were superseded by the Koran. They believe that Jesus is just one of many prophets and that Muhammad supersedes Jesus. Do I need to study any more about them to find out that that's a lie? They deny that Jesus Christ is God. They say, you know how, they, you know how the first is, uh, Muslims were converted? Muhammad went around with, a, with a, a, a band of marauders and they put swords to people's throats and said, unless you confess that Allah is God and Muhammad is prophet, we're going to slit your throat. It's amazing how many people became, became a part of the Islamic faith. Oh, oh, okay, well, sounds good to me. All right, yeah, whatever you say. Take the, take the knife away from my throat, right? And you know what? We are, and I want to say this. Can I just be real clear? We are to love these people. We're to love the Muslims. We're to love the Buddhists. Jesus does. Amen? We're to love them, but we don't have to buy their lie. 
The Bible says in the end times that there's going to be this move to unite all the world's religions. You seeing that today? The Pope is praying with witch doctors and Buddhist monks. What is that all about? It's a picture of the end times that we're, well, we're all headed on the same path. Uh, you guys might be, but I'm not me. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. This is the only answer and the only hope. Islam is a lie. Denies the deity of Christ. It's a works-based salvation. The cults, the false religions attempt to deify man and humanize God. So let me help you out. Hinduism, a lie. Mormonism, a lie. Jehovah's Witnesses, a lie. Islam, a lie. Buddhism, a lie. Christian science is neither Christian nor science, and it's a lie. <laughs> new Age movement isn't new. It's as old as the devil, and it's a lie. Scientology, a lie. The Baha'i faith, which says they're all good, lie. People are going to churches all over America today to study a lie. All over the world today to, to worship a lie. Jesus is the truth. Everything else is a lie. Amen? All based on man's own ability to do good works. Every one of these other beliefs. All deny Jesus is God. All deny the only way and the only truth. And guess what? Pastor Dave's going to be direct, which I know will shock you. All, the tool, all of them are tools of Satan. Mormon church, tool of Satan. Jehovah's Witnesses, tool of Satan. Buddhism, tool of Satan. Oh, but you just, you know, it's a peaceful path. It's a peaceful path that leads to hell. How peaceful is that? It's not a peaceful path. It's destructive. And the Lord is telling them, guys, I'm going away. But you don't have to worry or doubt or fear, because I'm the way and I'm the truth. And I am the life. He says there, I am the life. Jesus is the life. Who created life? Jesus. Did Buddha create life? He's wandering around looking for the boo tree. He didn't create nothing, right? Did, did Hare Krishna create life? Did Joseph Smith of the Mormon church create life? Did Charles Taze Russell or the Jehovah's Witnesses, did any of these people create life? No. Why? Because they're not God. They can't create anything except a lie. Jesus Christ is the life. He's the creator of life. He's the source of life, both physically and spiritually. And those who don't know Jesus are dead in their trespasses and sins. Through Adam came sin and death. Sin produces death both physically and spiritually. And guess what, guys? Good works can't erase sin. How many of you know you're a sinner? Raise your hand. So how are you going to get rid of your sin? I'm going to be really good. You know, all other religions say man is inherently good. Bible says that man is inherently wicked and sinful, going back to Adam. Look around at the world, which one do you think is right? Right? We're blown away when people do good stuff. Dude, did you hear about that guy? He returned a wallet, man. Really? No way. It's in the front page of the paper, right? Somebody does something good, it's like, whoa. Why? Because man is inherently wicked and sinful, and good works can't get us into heaven. We need the way. We need the truth. We need the life. We need Jesus Christ. And then he says, and no one comes to the Father but by me. You know what? All the other founders of all the other world religions were sinners in need of a Savior themselves. And sinful man cannot leave sinful men to holy God. There must be a holy, perfect sacrifice. And that's why Jesus came. All their founders and prophets are dead. You knew this was coming. Buddha dead. Hare Krishna, dead. Joseph Smith, dead. Mary Baker Eddy, dead. Charles Taze Russell, dead. They're all dead. 
but Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who triumphed over sin and death. Amen? He didn't just say he was the life, he proved it, because on the third day he went to the tomb. Those of you who go to Israel with us in March, we're going to go to the tomb, we're going to look into the tomb, and guess what? He's not there. If we go to Muhammad's grave, his bones are still on the ground. Buddha's grave, his bones are still on the ground, because they're liars. If they were the life, prove it. Get up out of the ground, Muhammad, I'll start listening. Get up, oh, okay, that's what I thought, liar, right? But Jesus is a risen and living Savior. Who's triumphed over sin and death? And his bones aren't there. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. The tomb is empty. Their tombs are all full of dead men's bones. Only one way God said to get to heaven, and Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. Doesn't that comfort your soul? Doesn't that comfort you to know that? That he is, and that he loves you, and that you're his child? And he's written your name in Lamb's Book of Life and he holds you in his hand. Man, it doesn't get much better than that. So the first two promises. You're going to heaven and Jesus is all you'll ever need. And again, it should, it calm, the, it should calm the disciples' hearts. How do you calm a, a heart in the time of trouble? It's easy again to endure the road when you know where you're headed. And when you have the promise of heaven, it should get us guys, to, it says in Colossians 3, 2, to set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. It's radical when you have a heavenly focus the way you live in this world. It really is. The world doesn't get it. You Wait a minute. You're quitting your job making how much to take a job? To, what? You're selling your house? Why? What's wrong with you, man? What are you thinking? This isn't home. It doesn't matter. You know, when I, I don't go camping, but when, on the rare occasion that I do, I don't get too worried about how the tent's set up. Oh, my tent's got to, you know, got to have the Sano tent, got to have... You know why? Because in two days, that thing's coming down anyway, right? It's not that big a deal. You know, it doesn't matter if it's, it's faded or whatever. Why? Because I realized, that's not my house. It's a tent. It's temporary. Guess what? This is a tent. It's temporary. The place you're living is a tent. It's temporary. But Jesus, and our relationship with Him, is eternal. You know what it says in Romans 8.18? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know what? The suffering and the difficulty of life is nothing compared to eternity. Amen? How many have ever heard me say to you before, you'll come in, you'll be depressed or bummed, and one of the things I always say to you is, going to heaven, right? I mean, how many have ever said that to you before? Look, all the hands are up. You go, oh yeah, man. Are you going to heaven? Well, yeah. Praise the Lord, bro, right? Going to heaven, right? Okay. And when you get there, are you going to be bummed out that you didn't get the raise? Well, probably not. You're going, to be, you know, you're going to be bummed out that you didn't, you know, you know, you struck out with the bases loaded? Oh, man, you know. You're not going to worry about any of that when you get to heaven. Have a heavenly focus. Be focused on Him. You're going to heaven, so have an eternal focus. Jesus is all you need, so don't chase the lie. Lastly, verse 7 through 11. The, last, the third promise is you can know the Father right now. Unlike the distant, uninvolved, or non-existent gods of the cults, the true and living God, our Heavenly Father, knows, loves, and treasures us. Look at verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. To know Jesus is to know the Father. Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Amen? Here's another thing, though, guys. If the world wants to know what Jesus looks like, they should be able to look at us. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Not that we're going to be perfect, but we should be 
you know, the moon reflecting the sun, like I've talked about before. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Verse 8. Philip said, wait a minute. Show us. Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Now, we cannot know God unless we know the Son. And today's culture is blaming their, their problems on their parents. How, how often do you hear that? Well, I wouldn't be such a wreck if my dad, you know, weren't so, such a jerk. Right? And it's always someone else's fault. And I'm not downplaying the fact that you may have grown up in a difficult situation. That's reality. That's, that could happen. And people say, well, I can't relate to the to love of my heavenly father because my earthly father was such a jerk. Jesus didn't say, look at your dad so you know what the heavenly fathers look like. Heavenly father looks like. He said, look at the son so you'll know what the heavenly father looks like. You want to know what the fathers look like? Look at Jesus. And Thomas said, says, well, and, and what's Thomas's nickname? What? Doubting Thomas. Well, show us the father and then we'll believe. Kind of like the world's been saying. And, and the Lord's looking at him like... Um, where have you been the last three years, Thomas? Have you been hanging out with me? Were you paying attention, right? But Thomas doesn't fully get it, but at least he's willing to ask the question in verse 5. And now in chapter, verse 8, you've got Philip doing the same thing. You've got Thomas doubting, and now you've got Philip doubting. These are the guys he's leaving to be in charge of the church. These are the apostles, not the B-apostles, right? One of you is going to betray me. Thomas is doubting. Philip's questioning. Peter's going to deny me. Man, what a mess. Good news, there's Pentecost coming, and the Holy Spirit's going to come and live inside of these guys, and everything's going to change. But Philip's desire, in a way, was desirable, but at the same time, we, we see and know that he didn't fully get it. Why do we study the Word? So that we'll know the God of the Word. We study the Word of God, so we'll know the God of the Word. And I thank God that we can see the Father by seeing who Jesus is. When we look at Jesus, we see the Father. Last three verses. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, yet you don't know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? He mildly rebukes him because he said, you've been walking with me, but you don't understand me. How many of you, just stop for a second. We're almost done, but stop for a second. How many of you, when Jesus asked the same question, how is it you've been following me for so long and you don't know me? How is it you've been going to school, to Sunday school for years and, You've had that Bible in your house, and you know you call yourself a Christian, but how is it when things get difficult, you act like I don't exist? How is it that you don't put all your faith in me? How is it that you're pursuing the world ahead of me? How is it that you can say to me, show us the Father, when I'm living inside of you in the person of my Holy Spirit? How many of us would he ask us that same question? How is it you question me? I'm, I'm in you. I love you. I died for you. You're my child. Let's start living radical life sold out for God. Philip wanted to see the Father with his physical eyes when he had, he had seen God in the flesh for over three years. Verse 10, Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Jesus had a right to expect greater faith from these guys who have been following him for three years. Remember the blind man? He told the blind man, and what did the blind man say? I believe you're the son of God. Remember the centurion that came to him? The centurion comes to him. And, it's, and he says, okay, I'll come and heal him. He says, you know what? I'm a man under authority. I know that you're under authority. You just say the word, and I know he'll be healed. And what did Jesus say? I've never seen faith like this, not even in Israel. 
And here's these guys been hanging out with him three years. The centurion rode up on a horse after maybe witnessing some miracles before, having heard about Jesus and believed. These guys have been walking with him for three years and still are filled with doubt and anxiety and worry. And the Lord's given them these promises so they won't fret and they won't be anxious, but they'll trust in him. And he's grieved and broken, saying, I am the Father, the Father's in me. Jesus and the Father are one in word, they're one in works, they're intimate in union. Jesus is fully God, yet completely submitted to the will of the Father. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of my works. He he says to these guys, if you don't believe my words, believe the works I've done. What did he do in John 11? Fairly miraculous. Who remembers? Raised Lazarus from the dead. Guy's been dead four days. Jesus shows up and says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes hopping out in his grave clothes, right? And if he just said, come forth, every dead person would have got up out of the ground because Jesus is the life. Amen? And so, if you don't believe my words, how about the guy who rose from the dead? Hey, remember when you were in the boat and it was rocking and I stood up and told the storm to be quiet? Remember that? Oh, yeah. What about when I walked on the water? Oh. What about when I healed the lame man? Oh, oh yeah. What about the blind man? Oh. The leper touched him. Oh. And he's saying, look, if you don't believe my words, believe my works. And you know what? I'd say this too. People say, what about the person out in the jungle in the middle of nowhere that doesn't have the Bible? The Bible says that if we do not preach the gospel, that the very rocks will cry out his name. You know what I believe that means? The creation reveals that there's a God. You look around and you just look around. And what do you see? It's all God. Man didn't do it. It didn't happen by chance. Lightning didn't hit a puddle. And where'd the puddle come from anyway if it did, right? None of that happened. God's the one who created it. God's the one who put it there. And God's the one that we can trust in. Believe in me, he says. Why should our hearts be troubled? The creator and ruler of the universe is our Father, and he's in control. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus... It's not just someone I know about. He's my best friend. I had someone ask me that this week. How can you believe in something you've never seen? You know what? There's things I've seen I don't believe. But I'll tell you this. Jesus Christ lives inside of me in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he's my best friend. And I know him better than I know my wife. I know him better than I know my children. He walks with me. He talks with me. He never leaves me. He's a faithful and a loving God. And you know what? He's the way, and he's the truth, and he's the life, and I have nothing to doubt. I have no reason to fear. I can trust him. So next time when you're going through difficulty, just remember, one, you're going to heaven. So have an eternal focus. May your hearts, your passion, and your thoughts be toward him. Jesus is all you need. He's the way. So follow him. Amen? He's the way. So follow him. He's the truth. So believe him. He's the life. So surrender yours to him. It's been said, a man is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jesus, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. You can know the Father right now. Our Heavenly Father knows us, He loves us, and to know Jesus is to know the Father. Why should our hearts be troubled? God is faithful, He's in control, and He loves us. And then next week, we're going to look at the last four promises, and just to get you ready for them, here's what they're going to be. God hears and answers prayer. Buddha cannot answer your prayer. He's dead. He's separated from God, weeping and gnashing of teeth. You can pray to Buddha until the cows come home. You can put all the oranges in his lap that you want to, and it's not going to do you any good. Amen? Right? Not going to help you. You can pray to Muhammad. You can pray to, you can pray to all these other gods. You can cut yourself for these gods. 
You can, you can crawl to Mecca on glass on your knees. You can do all these things that you want, and they're all dead, and they can't hear you. But Jesus Christ is risen and living, and he hears your prayers. He gave, us, he gave us the comfort of the Holy Spirit, our guarantee, our down payment on heaven. We'll see that next week. We have the love of the Father, and ultimately, you and I can have peace because we know the Prince of Peace. Amen? Let me say to you this morning, let not your heart be troubled. We have nothing to fear, nothing to be anxious about, nothing to doubt. We do not need to worry. Our God is faithful. He's in control, and we can trust Him. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your promises. The Lord, just as you dealt with your doubting apostles, Lord, and in, in times of anxiety and worry and, and contention, Lord, didn't know what was going to happen and wondering if it was worth it. Lord, just as you comforted them, I thank you that you comfort us with those very same promises. And Lord, I pray that this morning, if there's even one person here who came, by divine appointment that does not know you as Lord and Savior, has not accepted you as the way and the truth and the life. Father, I pray that right now by the power of your Spirit that you would open their eyes to their need for you. Every hand was raised when, when we said we we're sinners, Lord, and that sin has separated us from holy God. And we thank you that we can't get there by our good works, but Lord, by your good work on the cross. And just right now, with every head bowed, and I don't, I don't have you bow your head so you don't see others. I'll tell you why I have you bow your heads. I have you bow your head so you're examining your own heart and you're not worrying about anybody else. With every head bowed, if you're here and God brought you here by divine appointment, and he did, because that's why you're here, and you know that you're a sinner and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, and you don't want to have to doubt anymore or worry anymore or be anxious anymore, but you want to know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven that you have the promise of eternal life, that Jesus will be all you ever need. All you have to simply do is this, is say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I want you to be my Savior. Come and rule and reign in my life. And that's a promise that he will fulfill. He'll come and live in your life. You'll never be alone anymore. That hole that's in your life will be gone forever. If there's even one person here, I'm going to ask you to do something real simple. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. All I want you to do is just raise your hand where you're sitting and I'll pray a simple prayer with you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. Is there even anybody else? The Lord loves you so much. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Don't trust in anything else anymore. God bless you in the back. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's all pray together with these that are raising their hands. Let's pray. All of us out loud. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I come to you this morning, come to you this morning. And, I confess that I'm a sinner, and I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me for my sin, to make me a new creation, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the life. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and paid the debt I could not pay. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's all stand and close the worship song.